Well, welcome to Open Outcry, where as we roll from the close of the US trade and into the new trading session, we take the pulse of the financial markets. We assess the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets. Now, of course, Open Outcry is an antiquated relic of the financial system. And of course, it's fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your host, Mr. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of Pepperstone's Flowdesk, and myself, Chris Weston, head of research. Anyway, let's get to it, Mr. Redford. How's it Morning, going? Chris. Well, do we talk? Let's talk some sport. Let's talk some sport. We did it well last week. I think we nailed the Australian result last week, and uh, we, we got the value there. You can't lie with statistics, can you? you when you've got that kind you of can. level, of, you can't go against it, can you? You can't argue with the numbers, mate. And you know, you put out a lot of trade ideas, and your tip on um, on that rugby championship was probably your best one, definitely last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about yeah, Nick White. Nick, Nick White. He, he made a mockery of the sport, didn't he? In my eyes. Yeah, it's not it's not what you want to see on a rugby field, is it, mate? I remember Nigel Owens um, a few years ago when someone took a dive. I think it was a Scottish player. He yeah, said, you know, that the, 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 yeah, the soccer grounds down the road, mate. If you want to go play down there, so. Um, but you he know, looks a bit like honestly. He's, he's, I think if you grow your tash out, I think you'd look a little bit yeah. like him. He looks like a nineteen twenties policeman, doesn't he? He looks like the sort of person who'd be. Yeah, riding a bike, riding a bike down, you know, London in the 1920s down the cobbled streets. <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine him putting his jukes up in a in a, in a big top somewhere to yeah. try and make a bit of money to feed his family. Yeah, yeah, I can see like, that. Um, yeah, exactly right. And we've got, we've got a big one coming up uh, this weekend. We'll talk we'll talk about it on Thursday one, but a big AFL weekend ahead with uh, Richmond against Brizzy. I think uh, Richmond will take that one. And of course, uh, Melbourne playing Sydney. I've got Melbourne for the flag this year, so I'm hoping a. Uh, uh, the D's get it done. What are you thinking? Yeah, look, I mean, to be honest, I have switched off to a large extent ever since that devastating uh, result on the Sunday afternoon when the, the Blue Baggers were knocked out of the competition. But yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I agree with you. I mean, the, the Thursday is the interesting one, isn't it? And um, pretty strong favourites from that. So be surprised to see an upset. But who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll the, dig a little deeper the into The big that one, though, <clears throat> when we're talking a little bit about the, the, the UK in a minute, but uh, Arsenal, top of the league, four games down. We're playing Villa on the weekend. Strange times. Yeah, strange, yeah strange I'm surprised you've waited that long to, to bring that up. Are, are you getting a bit nervous looking at that um, unbeaten record? We've made some good summer signings and uh, life is good. We've got a bit of belief back into the uh, into the South Stand. So, um, yeah, yeah it's an the, unfamiliar feeling, isn't it? Yeah. It is an unfamiliar yeah. feeling. It's actually sort of, you know, living in, in, in Australia is it the sort of thing now which would make me get out at two o'clock, get up at two o'clock in. In the morning, you know, knowing that I've got three kids who have to wake up at six to watch a game of a uh, or in the morning, would you, would you do that? Maybe we're getting back it's to getting that point. to that stage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've got an Optus Sport login that you can borrow if you want. <laughs> if you want to give it a test run and get the nachos on the, at halftime and yeah, see how it feels. Yeah, let's go, yeah. Let's go. All right, mate. Should we go around the grounds? Let's go around um, the grounds. Look at the going on. Look, um, US markets were weaker again following Friday's bloodbath. Um, NASDAQ finished down about a percent. It was actually off the early lows, having said that, that we saw um, in the Asian session. Dow and S&P both finished down about 0.6%. Europe likewise down on the day, but also stronger in their cash session. Uh, Euro stocks down about a percent. DAX uh, down about 0.6%. Asia, we did see 
strong follow through um, on Friday's moves, and Nikkei finished down towards three percent, and ASX down towards two percent. Um, but as a sort of hint, they're maybe not as bad as the scoreline suggests. Um, sort of steadying signs that we saw overnight. Uh, if we drill down into the S and P sectors. Energy, once more the standout, up about 1.5%, one of the rare um, green lights on the screen. The other end of the scale, uh, tech, IT down uh, about 1.5% and real estate also weak. Uh, in the FX department, euro strong overnight, perhaps surprisingly so, still sort of hovering around um, parity. Um, we saw a continuation of recent yen weakness, dollar yen back up towards that 139 handle. Commodities, most notably Brent, uh, strongly back up through $100 a barrel, up about 4%. Um, iron ore weaker, down about 2%. Uh, rates and bonds, talk to me, mate. What are you saying? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, we had Jay Powell out on the weekend, or sort of Friday night for, for those in the US, and he didn't really say a lot. I mean, no, he didn't say anything new, but the fact that he was so quick, it was such a brief statement it was eight minutes long the guy was given 30 minutes and he, he took eight um well, i could probably mm. learn i could probably learn from that you know as ronan <laughs> keating said you know you say it best when you say nothing at all um <laughs> but uh yeah i mean the, the yeah the rates market keeps going up we're, we're looking at two-year treasuries trading 342 at the moment 3.42 percent um and yeah they, they did come off the highs but they've just been moving higher and higher and higher as, as we've seen sellers playing through um, I think, uh, you know, the, the 10-year Treasury now trading at 310. Uh, so, you know, continued inversion playing through there. We look at real rates really closely. And and for people out there who have never heard of real rates, basically they, they take the nominal Treasury and they adjust it for expected inflation. And that's your real cost of capital. Um, and that's a really big one there. So we've got two-year real Treasuries at the moment trading at 69 basis points and they're marching higher and higher. And that's something that is really weighing on, on risk in that situation. In terms of volatility, uh, we've got cash VIX trading 26.2. So that's certainly higher than where we were last week when your poetry of a sea of green, which left music in my ears, um, you know, has seen people looking to come out with some hedging flow. So we've seen that in terms of people buying volatility. Uh, we can see one month, 25 Delta puts trading about six volts more relative to the call. So there's clearly like hedging flows taking taking through. Just to set a, a scene in terms of rate expectations for the next central bank meeting, I think it's a, a really hard one for a lot of retail traders to find. So I think it's a good way to look at it. Um, in the US, the next central bank meeting is on the 21st of September. We have 68 basis points of hikes. So if we work on the idea of the argument being 50 basis points or 75, we're getting close towards that 75 basis point. We've obviously got non-farm payrolls number on Friday, which could really influence that. In Australia, uh, we've got uh, the next central bank meeting on the 6th of September. We're pricing in 47 basis points. So 50 basis points is pretty much a, a, you know, nearly a done deal by the market. In the UK, uh, we've got the next central bank meeting on the 15th of September. We're pricing in exactly 50 basis points. So that seems like a given. Uh, and in the U in Europe, this is a really interesting one, Scotty. We've got 8th of September is the next ECB meeting. Uh, we've now got 68 basis points. So last week we talked about the door being slightly ajar. It's now mm. firmly ajar. Um, in fact, you could probably say it's you know the full jar. It yeah, it's very much yeah, open. Sixty-eight basis open? points. Yeah. Now. So a seventy-five basis point hike is 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 the default position now. And interesting, if you go into the October meeting from that point, they're now expecting another fifty basis point hike. So Europe is alive with the sound of rate hikes being priced in, <laughs> and uh, you can go to Canada as well in the market. They're fully expecting a seventy-five basis point on the hike on that seventh of September. So yeah, rate hikes galore. It seems uh, on on the cards. So continue to see a 
very lively setup playing through. I want to touch base on that commodities move, which we'll talk about in a second. But oh, that crude move, WCI crude, US crude, getting it done at the moment, that looks like it's destined for $100. And maybe that could influence the, uh, the inflation expectation settings coming through. So get that on the radar right here, right now. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Now we've got a, a, a few points that I want to drill down, drill in on a little more. Um, speaking of oil, um, first one is, you know, we did see that big move at the end of last week uh, around that um, succinct. How do you say that word? Succinct, succinct speech. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that leads us to think about whether we will test the lows that we saw back in June in equity markets. Yeah. No, exactly. I think it, 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 it's pretty cold in Melbourne, but if there was a barbecue going on, this would be barbecue conversation, wouldn't it? Are we going to see mm. the lows, Chris? Are we going to see the lows, Scott? That would be mm. what the, the talk of Should the I invest did. in Bitcoin? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that one. Also, my, my, my father-in-law uh, mentioned that to me a while back, actually. I think that was, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche that that marks the high, but it was actually the high. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the conversation at the moment is, are we going to go and see the lows that we saw on the 16th of June? Yeah, we got that just below 3,700 on the S&P, you know, and we saw a... What, a 19% rally in the in, in the US 500. We've seen a, a 24% rally in the Nasdaq off those lows. We're sort of testing around sort of 40% of that move now. Uh, it feels like the, the pro, you know it's very much a split camp. You know, going to social media, everyone's saying that we're going to go and see the lows. Everyone's feeling that's the case. We have seen some some hedging flows that have taken place. You know, people have bought volatility through optionality. Uh, you can see that in in CTA positioning now, trend following funds. They've started to drip feed shorts again. But the the, the reason why we got that move was was really down to the fact that we would seen such a, a a bearish positioning in the market that was. Yeah, that, that came undone. So the market had been betting on mm. a really dark scenario. Um, and, you know, as one thing led to another, we saw you know, repositioning coming out. We've come to a much more neutral structure in, in, in equity markets. And I think people are now reapplying those things. So, look, I think we, we, with trading, you've got to have an open mind and not fall in love with the view. So, you know, if, if I come out and say we're going to go and test the lows, don't just go and blindly take it in. You follow the tape, follow the price action. Um, but the risks continue to be, for me, Scott, uh, skewed to the downside. Um, mm. and, and I think this is a market where people will be selling rallies. The trend is lower uh, again, mm-hmm. but I, whether we trade down to those lows is another thing. We just have, need to keep an open mind. If the market reverses higher, we've got to go along for it. But I think, yeah, if, if you look at the skew of distribution, I, I think that the probability for me is that we we go lower from here. Whether we test the June lows is another thing, but I would be selling rallies in, in, in the NASDAQ and, and US 500. I'll throw it back to you mm. in terms of what client activity are doing now in terms of the skew on equities. Last week, you said everyone was, was quite well you know kind of quite balanced is that still the case from clients yeah it actually is and and you mentioned that even split and we're we're seeing that we are seeing um s&p it's a bit of a divide among the the big indices s&p we're actually seeing a bit of uh, short positioning now um nasdaq still fairly even whereas dow um we're seeing clients long so make of that what you will um but uh, it seems clients are certainly taking your advice in terms of being nimble Agile and um, you know moving moving with what they see on the tape, yeah. Nimble and agile, they're, they're, I think they're two things that, that they have to spring out. Mate. So um, trade yeah, like a ninja. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Don't get stuck. Um, all right, number two, um, US dollar USD. Um, to use a term that you have used recently, it's been a wrecking ball mm. of late. Um, where does that end? As well, does it have further to go? 
channeling my uh, inner Miley Cyrus there. Um, <laughs> um, it is. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, if, if you look at the, the US dollar on a real exchange rate uh, basis, it's you know, pushing multi-year highs. Um, of course, we look at the dollar index, the Dixie, which is 57% skewed towards euro dollar. Um, and it looks like it's putting a nice double top in around 109. So it's kind of, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the equity bulls would would dearly love to see a weaker dollar. Um, I think that would be very, very good for risk. A, a break of 109 and a firm break of 109 into to one, you know, going into 110 on on the dollar index would uh, would, would certainly, um, you know, lead that call for a lower equity market. Um but yeah, I mean, you chuck in a huge amount of bad news into into euro dollar, and it seems to absorb it all the time. And you've got to ask yourself what it's going to take down the, down another leg. So for the dollar index to 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 move, you know, move lower, we're going to need to see a higher euro, and that's hard. We're going to, have to see a higher, um, you know, lower dollar yen for those factors. So it, it feels like right here, right now. Um, we're probably likely to consolidate, but the US is still the best place to be invested, in my opinion. Who wants to own euros? Who wants to own pounds? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are some you know, emerging people attractions. People struggling to pay the bills. Well, that's right. There's, a, there's an unfolding emerging energy crisis. We're going to see incredibly high levels of inflation, which is very negative for growth. And we look at relative uh, growth rates. But I'm actually quite, you know, short term, I'm actually, as a trade, I, I quite like euro dollar higher. Um, as a repositioning exercise, if you look at the, the difference between Europe, uh, German and, and US real rates, they, they, they suggest that yeah, there have been real rates in, in Europe have been moving up a little bit higher uh, relative to that of the US. Um, that suggests some upside to maybe uh, maybe cap to a sort of 102. I'd be looking to fade it into those levels. The pound would probably go along with that as well. But it really depends on what happens with equity markets. So short term, I'm quite nuanced in the dollar. Uh, medium term, I, I, I think the dollar is still the, the place to be. Um, but I think if, if you get a break of that, those recent highs that we saw, those July highs, um, regardless of what I think, the market speaks out and you've got to go along for the ride and the, and the dollar continues to strengthen in that situation. Where I do like the move, though, at the moment, and what makes sense to me is, is dollar yen. I still like that higher. So euro dollar maybe a bit, you, know, you could see some short covering coming through to sell into um, the pound, something similar. Um, but I like dollar yen higher. So in terms of the dollar for you, where where's last week we, we we had a situation where a lot of clients were with short dollars. Is that is that still the case? It is still the case. Well, yeah, on the whole, clients are um, still definitely short USD. Um, yen is the one um, on the other side where um, they're very much long, but they're long sterling, young, long euro dollar now um, as of this morning. But yeah, still, still, um, they're agreeing with you staying long and uh, sorry <laughs> they're going against you aren't they well, um, I, I, you're I think saying, I'm you're just, saying just, stay just, long just, until proved wrong my, my, my view is is that the, the dollar still is the most fundamentally and tactically still the most attractive place to be there's no mm. reason why you'd want to look to own euro dollar other than just repositioning coming out of the market um mm. but yeah i think for me right now with i'm not i don't have any positions in euro dollar i would be looking to i think there's there's a possibility we push up to 101 102 max uh, and that's where I'll be looking to fade those moves in, in, in there. I'll be looking to for short positions into those kind of levels. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Um, QE is one thing that people have got their head around in recent years. Um, QT is slightly trickier concept for people, quantitative tightening. Yeah. Um, certainly myself included. That's, um, it's going to be ramping up in the near future. What do you think? What do you see as the big implications of that? 
Um, it's, it is a really complicated situation. Um, you have to kind of really understand the plumbing in the, the US monetary system to fully get your head around it. The, the first question, the first point is that the, the QE, the idea that the, the Fed would, would buy bonds from, from commercial banks and credit them with reserves and the reserve balances would go up. Um, and yeah, you're basically taking duration out of the market. You're taking good assets out of the markets. And that had the effect of pushing people out the risk curve. And that's why people bought into memes. And that's why people bought into, into crypto. And it did what it did. You know, these were liquidity beneficiaries. Quantitative tightening or balance sheet runoff is not the same as QE. Um, the equivalent would be if the Federal Reserve were to sell its assets. Now, of course, it has a balance sheet uh, on the asset side, which is approaching well, just shy of $9 trillion dollars. Um, the SOMA portfolio, the Systems Open Market Operations portfolio, is, is less than that. Um, but what happens is, is at every month now, um, the, the assets or the, mature, the, the US treasuries, the coupons that they hold and the mortgage-backed securities that are due to mature, they will allow $95 billion worth of these, these um, and aggregates will split amongst those uh, to mature. Um, and anything else above that level, uh, which, which expires and matures, um, they will will not reinvest that, or so they will reinvest those proceeds. So their balance sheet, effectively, the asset side of the balance sheet should fall, in theory, by ninety five billion per month. Now that's a mm. passive process. If they were to go actually and forcibly sell those assets back to commercial banks, and uh, that would be the equivalent of quantitative easing, and that would be deeply negative for markets. But by allowing just the the the, the bonds to mature, uh, the, the U.S. Treasury pays them the proceeds which are then given back to the US Treasury, um, uh, then it's a kind of passive runoff, what we call. And therefore, the, the effect is, is very different. Um, so longer term, this has implications for bond yields, uh, depending on the issuance. Um, but it, it's a very clear distinction to make. And that is that there is a big difference between quantitative easing and quantitative tightening in its current form. If the mm. Fed were to sell bonds directly back to commercial, then that would be the, the same issue. The, 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 the fact is, is that <clears throat> reserves on the liability side of the Fed balance sheet are going to be falling. Um, and it's, some people, the strategists out there would say, look, you know, reserves falling is not that bad a thing. It's the level of reserves in the system that ultimately matter. That's when we get to a point where you get to a scarcity of reserves, and that can have big implications for the banking system. Um, but what we also know is if, if you look at the, the level of reserves in the system and you correlate that and you overlap that to the NASDAQ and the S&P, over the last year or so, there's been an 86% um, correlation between both of those two variables. So I, I would disagree. I think the market senses that lower reserves coming through in the system is lower liquidity and bad for equities. So I think very simplistically, when the Fed reduces mm -hmm. its balance sheet, uh, the asset side of its balance sheet by $95 billion, when you reduce the assets, you have to reduce the liabilities, and that means lower reserves. And I think that's going to be a big headwind for equities there. Yeah, okay. So in short, you're saying you know, QT is not as simple as being the opposite of QE, but in terms of its effects on equities markets, maybe it is going to have the opposite effect. Yeah, I think the markets – I think a lot of people don't understand this issue, and I'm not saying I'm an expert in it at all. But the um, you know correlations come and go. They break down. But if you look at a regression um, between – you know, the NASDAQ and uh, you know, the reserve balances that you can see on the FRED website, um, yeah, there is an 86% correlation um, over that time. Mm. And there's a decent sample size. So 
yeah, if that continues, then then it suggests that um, you know it's about to ramp up in September. Then it suggests that there's going to be more headwinds for equity. So, so it is something that people should be aware of for sure. Mm, mm, yeah, interesting. Okay, we could do a whole whole podcast on that topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the last point we had down, and we did touch on it before. I don't know if you've got anything more that you want to cover on it. It was euro dollar and its relation to energy markets at the moment, and vice versa. Yeah, well, look, euro dollar is an interesting one because. Um, and we'll touch on the on client flow in a second, but it was, it was trading in sort of kind of 99 to 101 range. And overnight, we did see European natural gas prices down 19.6%. The, the German economic minister coming out and saying that that stockpiles in Germany are running at 85% of capacity, which is fantastic. You know, ultimately, flow wins over. Um, and if Nord Stream 1 is not, which goes under um, uh, maintenance, tomorrow until the first second of September. If that doesn't come online, then then we could have a see some further upside in in in, natu- in natural gas prices. Um, but you know inventory levels are enough to hold uh, certainly the, the Germans through the wet through what could be a potentially bad winter. Um, but yeah we'll have to watch with the flow. So I think yeah the, the market got pretty excited about that. So we'll have to watch that electricity prices were down 12% um, and euro caught a bit on the back of that. A lot of this is down to the dollar. Um, my interesting here, Scott, and I don't know if you've got the, the numbers here, but euro dollar is obviously very much a prevalent of what happens in, in non-farm payrolls and the dollar side of the equation. <clears throat> As I say, I quite like it a little bit higher and, and I'd be looking for levels into the into the high 101s to sell into. But euro mm. sterling's rallying quite nicely here. I mean, we've got euro sterling, you know, the highest level for a, for a week or two. It's, 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 you know, it's pushing nicely higher. That looks pretty strong. Um, Euro yen looks fair. I mean, but certainly against the pound, you know, that's that's where you're seeing some 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 trades there. So, how how are clients trading euro sterling at the moment? What do you think on that one? Yeah, that's an interesting one to pull out. Um, it's, clients are actually short now euro sterling. We've seen that flip around in the last couple of sessions. Um, as I said before, they're still long euro dollar, um, but yeah, actually short euro sterling. So that's an interesting one to look at and not one we often pick out as a... It's a bit of a grind though, isn't it? Euro sterling is mm. a bit of a boring currency. <laughs> I, I guess it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, unless you're going on holiday from, you know, Liverpool to Mallorca or whatever. It's not one that's <laughs> often front of mind, is it? Yeah, yeah. Love it. Get, uh, yeah, your, yeah, get your hankies on your head. <laughs> <laughs> but euro yen looks good, mate. Look, euro yen looks really nice. I mean, we're breaking really powerful moves playing through. So I think Euro yen, we're, we're just testing 139, well, just below 139. I think this has got 140 written all over it. So I buy pullbacks in in Euro yen. What are you thinking on that trade? Yeah, it's 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 one I had noted down. It's um, we've seen a lot of flow. I mean, dollar yen is always right at the top of the leaderboard, of course. But um, last couple of sessions, we've seen a decent amount of flow and other yen pairs, sterling yen, euro yen. So um, yeah, increasingly popular of like those yen crosses. Oh. All right. Well, yeah, um, it's, um, yeah. What do we What have we got looking ahead in the in the uh, coming session? I've got U.S. consumer confidence, German CPI, Japanese jobless rate. Any of those jumping out to you as potential market movers? Um, yeah, I think the, the the German CPI numbers could be quite interesting. Um, uh, what are we looking for? We're looking for seven point eight percent on that year on year. So that's up thirty basis points from the prior reading. Uh, and, and you're looking for that up to be about 40 basis points in the month. So, as I say there, that, you know, we're going to get a huge amount of ECB speakers uh, coming out over the next 48 hours as well. So, yeah, that could really seal the deal for a 75 basis point hike. The ECB need to raise by 75 basis points. There, were, there was a, an article over the weekend in Reuters, which they, I think, they basically let the cat out of the bag. Um, uh, basically, so, yeah, really 
planting a seed that they're going to go hard. Um, so I think, yeah, that, East, that European, that German CPI number will be big ahead of tomorrow's <clears throat> sort of broader European CPI number. The consumer confidence numbers in the US, um, the market's actually surprisingly expecting the consumer in the US to, to, to be slightly more confident. Um, the one mm. I would look out for as well is, is, is within that, there's a subsection called the expectations component. Um, and that's that's been pretty weak recently. So it would be interesting to see consumers' expectations of, of, of their confidence effectively. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think that, that, that's probably the big one then. But obviously, yeah, we'll talk about it on, on Thursday uh, podcast. It's uh, for me, we continue to watch what happens um, with uh, payrolls. But we've also got John Williams from the, from the Federal Reserve. He's a, a key member of the committee there. So he's going to be coming out over the next uh, couple of days. And I think that's well worth looking at. So one to watch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a real raft of uh, speakers from the Fed last week and this week, isn't it? It seems like every day someone else is coming out and giving their view. And, yeah, uh, that's yeah, right. In terms of, um, yeah. Like, yeah, I'll just I'll just quickly bring up the, uh, the, the yeah, so we've got um, John Williams will be speaking at one o'clock in the morning. So yeah, one to watch for those people in Australia willing to stay up. That's a... Uh, that's one. That's one that could potentially. Yeah. So one to watch. Uh, in terms of any client positions, um, what are we looking at? Anything that notably uh, that, that, that springs out across across the asset classes? There. Well, I think we covered again our big, uh, big position that jumps out as clients being short um, dollar, and then um, and long yen. Those are those are the ones that jump out on the screen at the moment. And on the equities, they're sort of fairly evenly spread still. Cool, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. All right, okay. Let's go into markets to watch. Let's uh, let's get this going. I'm I'm again. I was talking dollar yen last week, and and I continue to be very much myopically focused on on dollar yen. Uh, I think that's the one uh, of the dollar pairs that uh, yeah I'm looking at. We're looking at those highs from the 14th of July um, at one thirty which is still trading 50 pips shy of that at the moment. But this is a runaway freight train. The yen is trend or dollar yen is trending. I think we go on to test those levels, obviously, with the uh, with John Williams and uh, so you know US consumer confidence payrolls on on Friday. Uh, this is one I think that if we get to test those levels, we will be talking about one forty, and then we could be listening to the Bank of Japan starting to become a bit more vocal in these markets again. What market are you looking at, Mister Redford? So you're saying stay long until proven wrong. The trend is your friend, I'm really. I'm, I'm looking stuff. at um, Apple actually. Uh, the, Biggest stock on the S&P, of course, $2.5 trillion market cap. It's been relatively resilient through the recent moves that we've seen. It's currently trading about 160 Um, You know, some people are starting to think, of, you know, if that goes, is that when we really get concerned about um, correction, recession, you know, those sort of words? Um, do we see a move down into the June lows, sort of sub-130? Um, or does it hold strong and that means there's nothing to worry about? Um, there's an iPhone release coming next week, one of their big events. Mm. Um, so that might be one to watch um, as a trigger point for that. Yeah, Good yeah. stuff. We'll get Apple on the radar. If, if, if you lose the leadership from Apple, the market goes lower. So that's another thing that we focused on. Scott, what's your uh, before we wrap it up, what's your, uh, what's your fact of the day? Fact of the day, a good one for you today, mate. Uh, the human humans are the only animal with a chin. And uh, and no one knows what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to think about that. Well, yeah. on that lovely note, so I think we're going to call it a day. It's a goodbye from my good self. It's a goodbye from me. Good luck out there. And uh, we'll see you on Thursday for more of Open Outcry. See you then. Bye. Right.